0: Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from MediaWeek's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. It's TV Gold time, the weekly Media Week podcast where me, James Manning, and our special guest and co-host, Andrew Mercado, talk about new things on TV. They're usually dramas because that's what we're really into. You look at all the streaming platforms and their their big ticket items are always dramas. It pulls in the big crowds. We talk mostly about the streaming platforms because there's not a lot of premium drama left on free-to-air TV, except for some exceptions for the ABC, SBS, and the odd program, which we think might crop up next year. But look, let's start off with this week. Welcome, Andrew. Look, the first one we're going to talk about today is the Royal Hotel. Yeah, this is a new Australian film and it was only released in
1: cinemas on November the 23rd. And I'm going to have a bit of a, a spray about this. As a former cinema owner... I think you need to give cinemas the chance to screen films before they get released onto streaming platforms or TV. And I know that during COVID, that window shortened, but it always used to be three months minimum. In cinemas, three months later, you could rent it for a price on your streaming services. To me, it just seems crazy that you would try to release particularly uh you know and an Australian film into cinemas on November 23 when word sort of is almost immediately out saying this is going to start streaming on binge on December 15th and you know it's not just binge doing this James there's uh Emerald Fennel's new film Saltburn which is getting a lot of talk now it was released into cinemas on November 16th and Prime, Amazon Prime starts streaming it on December the 22nd, and I'm not happy about this. I believe that if you're a streaming service, you could be allowed some exclusivity on that. I know that's what Paramount Plus did with Wild Boy 3. It was released into cinemas, and then after a three-month period, paramount plus got it exclusively before anybody else could screen it now that is the way to go i just think these windows are ridiculously short and the the people that are missing out here are the cinema owners and people aren't going to go
0: to the cinema if they know it's going to be on tv in a couple of weeks time what do you reckon hey i disagree sadly andrew We, we don't see eye to eye on this um i'm very happy about big cinema releases coming to streaming services after a window i'm not really that fussed how short that window is because i mean you look at the box office figures a movie does all its business in the first 7 14 maybe 21 at a stretch and then it just drops off significantly so i think moviegoers like fresh new content they get out there they watch it straight away and then yeah let's get it on the streaming platforms because these streaming platforms are making a contribution to the budgets they're helping these movies get made. I'm guessing. Um, so certainly not getting them for free. And look, I love it. I love it that Saltburn's coming up. I love it. There's a an extended version of Napoleon is going to come to Apple TV Plus. I'm not sure how long. I think it'll be. A little while yet, but we'll see I bet you
1: Apple TV will wait for it to play out in cinemas. You know what's missing from this story, though, James? The big chains like your Hoyts and Greater Union get to release that film on opening day, and it's the smaller independent cinemas, the ones that really struggle to stay in business, and they might get the film a few weeks down the line. Well, they're not going to take the Royal Hotel now because it's streaming on Binge. So that's it. The Royal Hotel is not going to screen on in any independent cinema, and I think that's a shame. I still think Binge could have a premiere on this, but g- give those cinemas at
0: least a couple of
1: months, not a couple of weeks. Come on,
0: James. Nah, too long. Too long. Get over it. Look, the other one I'm looking forward to is Killers of the Flower Moon, the new well, yeah, I'm Scorsese, I'm- you know. I'm things. really
1: looking forward to that because it goes for like 25 hours. And you know, that's a film that I don't want to see in a cinema because I don't want to be going back and forth trying to figure out when's a good place to have a pee break because the movie runs for so long. So those long films are absolutely films I want to watch uh, at home on my TV. Yeah,
0: but I'll go back on track, get back to the yeah. Royal Hotel. Look, it's one of three shows today with very strong roles for women who are, you know, really. Well, I guess they're not all taking control. They're sort of trying to take take control of the situations they're in. Um, the others will be um, time and strife, all very different projects.
1: So true. And it's not just a uh, female talent in front of the camera. It's behind the camera as well. Um, Aussie Kitty Green co-wrote this script. Um, and that's great to see. And the two leads in it, Julia Garner and Jessica Henwick. Now, Julia Garner, of course, we've talked about many dramas she's been, she's been in. I don't think we've ever actually watched those. I could sort of started before our, uh, um podcast started but she was absolutely in uh the chess one what was that one the where she was the chess champion wasn't she she
0: that's not her am i talking about thinking the
1: wrong person now i think so oh bloody hell okay no inventing anna sorry i've got it confused she was in inventing anna uh yeah exactly um Look, the Royal Hotel is about two girls that go to work at this hotel in the outback. Um, supposedly in the storyline, they're backpackers. They've run out of money and the only job they can get is going to the most remote part of Australia. Now, I don't know that I really bought that as a plot device, but whatever. They head out into the middle of Australia. They get there. Um, The pub is run by Hugo Weaving and wow, doesn't he play a great drunk. I haven't seen such good drunk acting on screen for ages. Ursula uh, Jovic who was, we were talking about her last week, she's in Australia which is now Far Away Downs, uh, she's the cook at this hotel and it's a mining town and there's a real sense of dread all through this movie because you know, the, there's there's men everywhere, they're getting drunk there's that sense of sexual violence in the, hair, in the air particularly from Daniel Henshaw as a guy called Dolly who comes across as very menacing and the whole thing seems to be leading to this horrific situation. And then for me, James, the film just kind of squigged out into nothing. It just ended. I thought the ending was laughable. um, (laughs) And I, I really thought that this was a script that should have been set back, and gone no you need to work a little bit on this like literally nothing happened for the last 45 minutes hour of the film they got there this fantastic setup these great actors this sense of dread and then it just kind of went
0: nowhere for me yeah look um yeah so so Hannah and Liv their backpackers i think from Canada um they, Hugo Weaving, yeah, look, he plays a good baddie, but how different is his character from what we saw him in in um, Love Me? You
1: yes, know? <laughs> yes.
0: Really polar opposite, you know. Yeah, yeah. But he, he's certainly not a likeable character. He's a nasty, nasty piece of work. Um The other person in this is Toby Wallace, who, I mean, we I loved him as Steve Jones in uh, Pistol, and he, of course, played young Michael Hutchins in The Never Terrace Apart quite a few years yeah. ago. But I don't quite get his role in this. I mean he's he yeah. sort of befriends um Julie Garner's character, Hannah, but you're never quite sure why. Um yeah, it's 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 all sort of it's not
1: properly scripted. They haven't come up with the right situations. Is he a good guy or a bad guy? He's pretty much a good guy all the way through. Until the last five minutes of the film, when you think, "Oh, maybe he's a bad guy," and then he's gone. And it's yeah, it it just isn't properly. It just isn't well written. The ending of this film.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you can they they arrive at the hotel. I mean, they they they're desperate for money. That's why they take this job. That's the only job they can find through this employment agency. I I think in Sydney where the film starts. Yeah, and you know, and and um. Liv says, look, I'd, I'd rather be on the beach at Bondi a couple of times during the movie, you know, (laughs) and Hannah says, look, wish, because they, it gets pretty bad, but Hannah says, look, um, no, Liv, Liv says tough it out. Yeah. Right. We've got to tough it out a few more days, a few more weeks. Hannah really wants out, but, um, you mentioned that ending. Yeah. Look, the ending's weird, but it's pretty memorable. Those last few moments, but it really does seem to go off the rails. All of us things start happening. You're going, oh, my Lord, what are they doing? (laughs) Um, The problem with the ending is that
1: the director is trying to make a statement about blowing up the patriarchy. But if you actually think it through logically, if for those girls to do that and then, uh, you know, if they're dreading what's happening to them, if they're dreading male violence throughout the whole film, what they do would invite an even worse form of violence, and for them to just blithely kind of wander off like, oh, you know, look at us, ha, ha, ha. I was just like, that is totally unbelievable.
0: It almost becomes a horror movie at the very end because it's quite dark and all those scary things are happening and that – yeah. Um but nothing actually ever
1: happens, James. That's no. the problem. It's no. all about, and it's such a shame because this director clearly has skill in setting mood and dread. This sense of dread
0: is all going through. But if you're going to create a sense of dread for an audience, there has to be some payoff at the end of it. Yeah. I think you mentioned um, Ursula Jovich, didn't you, amongst them? Yeah, she's so great in this. Yeah, good scene stealer, isn't she, you know? Very much so. One character you can really identify with and, you know, feel for in a in a big way. And I mean she's all she was in Faraway Downs, which we talked yeah. about just last week. Total control, the twelve, um, Mystery Road. She's got a great C V. Yeah. Think, and she's also excellent in this.
1: Yeah, and I mean, so often in, I mean, if you think about her role in Far Away Downs and her role in this, you know, she's kind of relegated to the sidelines. But then if you think of First Nations women, I- women in these small towns and being, you know, you're just the cook, you're just the driver, you kind of go, oh, yeah, that's kind of uh, the roles they get pushed into. But she certainly uh, makes the most of every moment that she's on screen.
0: She does. Okay. The Royal Hotel promises quite a lot. Doesn't really. I I was looking so much forward, looking forward so much to this one. And it was just, yeah, a little bit disappointing. Um, okay. You can find that on binge and I guess also on Foxtel. They're calling it a binge original. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to strife, which is also, well, this is a, a single woman is the focus of this one. Um, it's sort of set, I mean, it starts off with the the first thing you see on screen is a tribute. It says, in loving memory of Brian Walsh. So this was, I think the last thing he was involved in commissioning him. Yeah. Commissioning yeah. Him. And so they're sort of paying a tribute when they finally got it up on the screen. Um, it, it's the story is based around Evelyn, which is really Mia Friedman. Yep. They also say at the start, this is a work of fiction. And yeah, I get it, but I'm getting a little bit over these sort of disclaimers. Yeah. At yeah. The start. It was like we talked about pop stars. Paper dolls. Yeah. Paper dolls <laughs> last week. This week it's, it's strife and it's not really based on Mia Friedman's life, but it's inspired by it. Okay. Yeah. It changed up quite a bit of what really happens to her. But, but look, I, I just found this. This one had the same sort of problems I was getting from the Royal Hotel. The The drama didn't really go anywhere. At least there was some drama in the Royal Hotel. There's just nothing that really reached out to me and engaged me as a viewer with this one.
1: Yeah, I'm so disappointed by this. It just feels really derivative to me. It feels like bits and pieces of lots of shows I've seen before put together into this show. And, you know, when you compare it to the other women's magazine show that we've been watching lately, Minx, which is so alive with Fun and colour and this incredible cast of supporting characters, all of whom have their own thing going on. Whereas when you get to Strife, the show is too much built around the character played by Asha Keddie everybody else in the show is a supporting character, and particularly the people that work at this fledgling women's website. I mean, they're just interchangeable. They're just sitting at a desk coming up with story ideas and really underused. So yeah, again, this feels to me like a problem in the scripting department that someone didn't sit them down and say, hang on, what are we, what are we really trying to say here? Because the way it stands at the moment, it's really not sta- saying much. And I'm not sure that the world was going, hey, let's take us back to 2012. I really want to see a story on a fledgling website being started up. I think you've got to provide more than just that premise.
0: Yeah, Strivers. there's eight episodes. I think they're all 30 minutes, so you can sort yeah. of push punch through them pretty quickly. It's also on binge. Um, but for someone like Mia Friedman who had such an interesting life, First, as it got into magazines, worked up the ranks, became, you know, a very powerful magazine editor. Um, then went off. She spent a bit of time at nine and then she launched her own business, which is mostly what this, um, series strife is based on. For someone with such an interesting life, it's a little bit sad that it's sort of just a soft movie. It doesn't really, you know, I find the character Evelyn of just hard to, Hard to believe. It looks paper thin, doesn't it? She's yeah. um, She's separated from a husband, which you never find out why, it's just because, I don't know, I was getting a bit bored. I mean, a husband's played by Matt. Um, Matt Day. Matt Day, yeah, and he has, he has one of the best lines in the movie where he says, I was perfectly happy being unhappily married. <laughs> yeah, that is good. That was quite clever. But, you know, Evelyn's now living in a sort of looks like a service department She's pretty much left the children as well as the husband. She makes an effort to see the kids, of course, but but I don't know, that wasn't that convincing. Um, and the whole all the stuff at the start in the magazine office, it just didn't seem. I would have thought that Mamma Mia in its early days would have been, you know, a bit more electric, a you know, buzzy place. And they just have a real lot of trouble, I think, trying to bring that to life. Um. And you see her driving around in a Range Rover, top of the line black Range Rover. Then you're supposed to believe that, oh, she's really struggling to make ends meet at the moment, and yeah yes. picking one up scene, the look, kids. She can barely feed herself. Well, she's picking up the kids from
1: private school in her right. reign over. Yeah, there's a real disconnect, uh, with that. I find her character quite unlikable, which, um, is, is, is tough. I mean, Tina Bursell's great as her oh, mother. The yeah. oh, kids are fantastic. Willow Spears, who was in Back to the Rafters playing a uh, growing up Ruby daughter of Dave and Julie Rafter and, uh, the son is Darcy Tavich, who's a Neighbours graduate, as is Olivia Junkier, who, uh, played Vashti in Neighbours. She's one of the, the girls that works at the office. But look, there was, there was a, there was a scene in this, James, that I found really unbelievable. It's the scene where the, uh, Nina, sorry, I was going to say Nina Proudman character, sorry, the Asha Keta (laughs) characters, thinking she was in Offspring. There's a scene where she goes on a TV show and does this chat with one of our favourites, Lincoln Younes, as the male host. And look, if I think back, that used to be, you know, Mia Friedman and Carl Stefanovic on the Today Show, they'd be talking about the topics of the day. And I always thought it was quite a friendly chat. But in this show, the male host of this show is is portrayed to be really passive-aggressive, and he forces her, this woman to upend her handbag on the counter to yeah. see what's in the bag. And Asha character keeps going, no, no, don't do this. And eventually he does it, and there broadcast all over Australia is a blood-soaked And I wish I could say that's the last time in this series we see a blood-soaked tampon, but it's not. And then in episode four, she's back on the show with that guy. And I'm like, seriously? You'd go back on that TV show after he has humiliated you on TV? And how is he still on TV if that's what's being broadcast? Yeah, I just found there were plot holes there that, you know, they're trying to be edgy and then trying to, you know, grass laughs from anywhere they they can but i didn't really believe any of it
0: yeah if there's um if there's a character i really liked it's um brioni what stillington
1: yeah She's you know, they the-
0: really good she's a, she's an english actress yeah um she's one of the writers in the sort of at the desks in the um in the in the what was that i guess the mamma mia offices um as uh, she's really good, has some funny lines. Look, she was in, um, uh, she played a store clerk in that horror movie X, that sort of low budget cult horror movie X, which I think is about making a porn movie at a rickety, yeah. rickety Texas <laughs> house. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's always been on my list of films to watch one day. It does look like a good
0: premise. Yeah. And she's also in far, uh, far north and, um, power of the dog. So she's had some really quirky, uh, well so i think she's really good and also a shout out to emma lung great as uh, the best
1: friend and jonathan Lapalia. uh good to see him not on australian survivor and back <laughs> acting again although i've only seen him once in the four episodes that i've watched um and look you know i'm i'm kind of bored and i i, I but i probably will watch the next four just to see if it's going to go somewhere but yeah i i, I struggled with this
0: I didn't know who, what does Jonathan LaPalle, what's his character? Who's his? I think he
1: plays her former editor, so she bumps into him on the street and he's there with the woman that replaced Asher Keddie in the job, so there's this really uncomfortable moment between them.
0: Right, yeah. The other scene that I just really cringed at was that when she's, again, in the black Land Rover, bopping along to something on the car radio and then plows into a cyclist. (laughs) Yeah. and then cuts away and then she's back in the office. <laughs> As if, yeah. And that never ever gets referred to again, does it? Not, not, not have right forgotten you? all about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know. Again, you mentioned disconnect and yeah, there's, there's things like that, you know. I, again, I really wanted this to be good. I mean, I worked in magazines. Um, back in the early days of podcasting when I was working with Brendan Wood, um, Mia was a regular contributor. We did a podcast on magazines. I'd yeah, know, wow. It was about 2010, maybe 11, give or take. But she rang up one day. She said, look, I'm not going into newsagents anymore. I don't think I can really do this. So she was um, very frank with us back then, and um, that was the tide was turning when magazines were coming, you know, less of an important thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's Strife. It's also on Binge, eight episodes, and they're all up now. Where to next? Should I talk about time?
1: Yeah, this is, I, I haven't seen this, James. I'm really sorry, but I did see the first series. This is the British series and it was uh, Steve, Stephen Graham was a prison warder from memory and yep. Sean Bean was the inmate in jail and it was short, right? Three episodes? Yeah, BBC?
0: Correct. correct. Yep, yep. And this one's also three episodes. Um, And look, it's pretty good. I mean, it's, I think we talked about, if I remember, back to the first season. Look, we said this is great, but it's tough viewing. Yeah, um, it was really tough. Um, this isn't any easier to watch. I've got to say, um, it's really rugged. Look, I wanted to watch all three in a bang, bang, bang. Yeah, we had access to the previews, but look, after that first one, I thought, whoa, was <laughs> okay, it?
1: Give me. It was that that rough.
0: Yeah, give me some time out. You know. <laughs> I watched the second one the next day. And again, yeah. I'm going to knock them both off tonight. I want to watch all of this. And then again, at the end of that second one, I thought, no, whoa, hang wow. on. Wow, I, I need a break.
1: Now, I- so this is interesting. You know, this is, you know, when I used to do my show on the playlist on Showcase, they wanted a TV review show on that channel specifically to address this, this problem because they didn't want – to promote TV shows as, oh, this is the greatest show ever, ever, because everybody says that. But they wanted to be honest with the audience and say, look, this is tough viewing. Yeah. It's great acting, but warning, this is tough viewing. And, you know, some people get a bit squeamish about stuff like that. And, and sometimes you do have to alert the audience that, like, hey, you need to be ready for this. This is not a, a walk in the park.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But look, I couldn't recommend this highly enough. The three the three women it focuses on a Jody Whitaker, uh Bella Ramsey is in this as a as a drug addict Kelsey. And uh the other woman is Abby Tamara Lawrence. The I think the only real acting connection between both series is Siobhan Finner Finn. Yeah. Who was in Happy Valley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love her, love the, her. The sister in Happy Valley. Yep, yep, yep. She yep, was, yep. I think she's the prison chaplain in both the first and the second. Okay. You've got to have a link. Yep. Yeah, Yep. So that's the link here. And she's a great character. The, the series, the first episode covers, I think, three months, right? And it starts off Jodie Whitaker's at home, uh, lives and looks like a council apartment, three young kids. I think from about 14 through to maybe six, something like that, but a single mum doing her best to support these kids. But before you know it, she's off to prison in the back of a van. What's she and, done wrong? Well, it's never really explained in detail, but she it's fiddling that she keeps saying when other prisoners ask her what she's in for, she says, fiddling the lecky, and <laughs> it's really thick What does accent. that mean? Well, I looked it up. It means actually... That's short for Fiddling the Electricity, and in those council units, I think they have pay-as-you-go electricity meters, right? and she was fiddling the, you know, trying to get some electricity, I guess, to keep the family warm, and, you know, it, it turned out it was illegal, and I think she had a bit of a record already. And you hear her say when she's taken into prison at the start, look, I was told that if I was caught doing this, it wouldn't be a prison sentence because she's really worried about her kids. What's going to happen to them? Her mother's an alcoholic. Going to the mum is not an option. And I won't go in, but that plays out in that first episode. Uh, that's sort of a side story. Um, but yeah, she so she's taken into prison and they, she say, look, well, why am I getting in that? All she finds out from one of the wardens is, There were extenuating circumstances. So presumably that's something to do with the record she already has. Uh, She gets into a cell with uh, Kelsey, Bella Ramsey, and Abby, Tamara Lawrence. Um, Kelsey, yeah, has drug problems. Um, Turns out she's pregnant. She finds that out pretty early on. And um, Tamara Lawrence, the character of Abby, is in there for a pretty gruesome crime, and I, I won't go into that on this either. And so there's all how the other prisoners greet them, how they deal with what they've been dished up in terms of their prison sentences, their relationship with the warders. It's just all incredibly moving. It's, um, but look, really hard, really a tough watch. You know, it's not overly violent. There's some sort of shocks, but it's not graphic, but it's just, just the sort of what they constantly come up against, you know, the, 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 the challenges they come up with, particularly, um, Jody Whitaker's character, you know, trying to get back to her three kids, you know.
1: It does and- sound a very jimmy mcgovern thing if i can interrupt because you know jimmy mcgovern nearly every tv series he's ever made he's all about the underdog he's all about the working class the working poor um it sounds to me that the story of a single mother who's fiddling with her meter box to keep her kids warm is exactly the type of character that jimmy mcgovern really wants you to pay attention to
0: yeah but it's all done with such empathy you know it's just yeah just amazing i mean and uh Jodie Whittaker says, "At one stage, look, I a couple of days ago, I had a home, a job, and a family. Now I've got nothing. You know, it's just that the stark change to her life. Yeah, how it's just been shaken up, how her family's just been ripped apart, what the kids have to go through. It's um, wow. Well, but it's look, it's really good. It's on BBC First, uh, three episodes, and I think you can get that on binge." or on Foxtel.
1: And so if Jimmy McGovern's done the male prison for Series 1, the female prison for Season 2, what's Series 3, juvenile detention?
0: Well, eh? I don't know if we could take another one. <laughs> 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 but no, look, it's really good. and I, well, You'll watch it, no doubt, and we'll get your quick thoughts on it Yeah. Um, sometime in the future. But this has definitely got to work its way into my best of the year, which, wow. we'll, be, which we'll be covering in the next couple of weeks um, for sure. Okay, now you've also you've seen something I haven't seen. I think you've seen Ben Robert Smith Truth on Trial.
1: Yes, yeah, so this is the new Revealed documentary. Revealed is a documentary series of original documentaries made for Stan. It's about the Ben Robert Smith defamation case that he. Uh, called, uh, to sue nine and Fairfax newspapers. Uh, and I mean, we've seen a lot of this before, James. We've seen bits of this on 60 Minutes. Um, but this now tells the whole story in a lot of detail with recreations. Um, and you know, the recreations are so spot on that even the actor they get to play Ben Robert Smith. He even gets that walk. You know how Ben Robert Smith is so big. His arms kind of like hang out from his body at a funny angle as he sort of walks because he's got such massive shoulders. And even the actor they get has kind of recreated that walk. But I've got to tell you, even though I've seen a lot of this before and I've read Nick McKenzie's book on it, it was still riveting TV for me because I don't think that 2023 has been a year that, many of our news networks have crowned themselves in glory. I think that ABC News, uh, there's some questions going on there. I think that Channel 7, uh, as per recent court revelations, have uh, been involved in some pretty grubby checkbook journalism, and I'd really question... Some of the men they've been supporting on heinous charges. And so I think it's a really good reminder that there are still some great journalists out there like Chris Masters and Nick McKenzie and, uh, you know, working against such incredible odds and the, you know, the, the way that they're attacked for doing their job was so awful. And as they point out several times in this documentary, they never ever set out to get Ben Robert Smith. They set out uh, to look for truth. And in the end, he got convicted because fellow soldiers he worked with, um, who also believed that soldiers should be held accountable for their actions, ended up telling the truth. And that's ultimately what this is about. So it's a it's a, a very sobering tale. But Ben Robert Smith, Truth on Tales, starts streaming on Stan on December the 10th.
0: Okay. So it's good to see um, original documentaries getting made locally on a streaming service too always okay look that just about wraps it up for this week i wanted to mention before we go and before we get to the show of the week i've had a sneak peek at archie oh yeah the Cary grant one you want to see yeah i've really been hanging out for this and um i've watched a couple episodes of that it's coming up on britbox we'll get to that next week jason isaac's playing Cary grant it's um and Diane Cannon is sort of the co-star. It, it focuses on their years together when he was married to her. Plenty of flashbacks, but look, I won't, um, no more spoilers. I'll save that for next week.
1: And I don't know whether you know this, James, we got we just got screeners today for Bump, which I think is the fourth Mm -hmm. series that will premiere on Stan, I think, on Boxing Day. I can't wait to watch that. I love that show. I wanted to point out to people, we talked a few weeks back about The Jones Family Christmas, the new Christmas movie that Stan uh, released, which I just finished watching a couple of nights ago. I I hadn't seen the last 20 minutes. I, I really liked it. I thought it was sweet. I actually watched some of the first part of it again. I liked it so much. But, you know, the first Stan... And Christmas movie that they did was A Sunburnt Christmas, and it's getting a freeware run on Channel 9 on Saturday, December the 9th at uh, 8.30 p.m. And this is the one where Daniel Henschel, who we've just talked about appearing as a baddie in the Royal Hotel. He plays this kind of questionable Santa. It's a a bit out there, Uh, A Sunburnt Christmas, directed by Christian Van Vuren, Um, very Aussie uh, and and very unique. And I think the success of this film is what's led Stan to keep commissioning a new Christmas movie every year, which I just love that they do. So, yeah, if you want to check Nine Now after Saturday, it'll be there. And, And it's worth a watch, A Sunburnt Christmas and Aussie. Z christmas movie
0: okay show of the week andrew
1: my show of the
0: week is ben robert smith truth on
1: tar on trial
0: okay and no prizes for guessing i'm gonna have to go with um time the second season nice yep haven't watched them all yet though (laughs) there's still one to go (laughs) um. (laughs) i'm um, getting ready for that third episode if i remember firstly if I remember correctly the first season did end on a on a bit of hope you know there was
1: Yeah there was yeah yeah I remember that Yeah I, I'm very excited. I've got a bit of an issue with my reception with uh, getting Netflix at the moment, but I really, really want to watch Talk to Me, which is an Australian horror film that uh, everybody has been talking about and I can see it there free to watch on Netflix. So as soon as we finish this podcast, I'm ringing up a technician to find out what's going on. Uh, cause I can't wait to watch Talk to Me. And, uh, yeah, we might talk about
0: that next week. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've got a lot to say about that one, but and um, that will be good and be a good double. Then we're going to get into our sort of a, either a one or a two part episode. We haven't worked out the fine print yet, but I'm um, what's the, the year, the best of the year, and the, well, wow. what a year it's been too. Oh. It's um, I know my list is always longer than yours, bro. Got a feeling yours might creep out a little bit this year.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I watched this year, but it's interesting. Um the, the show that I said I loved the most this year, I haven't changed my mind on. I'm not going to say that it's the greatest TV show of the year, but it was certainly my favourite. Oh. Um So, yeah, I'm very excited to uh tell everybody because it's so good because over Christmas some people do get the chance to sit down in front of a TV if they've been busy all year. So, yeah, we'll really try to give you the the shows that are the most important to watch. For sure.
0: All right, Andrew Mercado, great talking with you again this week. We'll be back again next week. See you then.
1: Thanks, James. Have a great week.